Buckle up! It's showtime! It's time for the green room with Sean Green. Oh, no, there's with the show. All right, let's do it. All righty then, let's get started. And now for the moment no one's been waiting for. Welcome everybody to the green room. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com, presented by our good friends over at 24-7 Comedy Radio. Make sure you check them out. Affiliates all over this great country and streaming 24-7 on the iHeartRadio app. And of course, we're uh, sponsored as always by Amazon. You go to SeanTGreen.com, you click through the banner, you support Amazon, you support this great economy, and uh, you really get things going here. Speaking of great man, I'd like to welcome on our guest, Mr. Steve Hernandez. Steve, what's happening? Great to be here, Sean. Just rolling with the green machine, taking me down. Have you? Do you buy things a lot from Amazon? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I feel like, um, I mean, yeah, A, because... Well, yeah, I mean, they sponsor it, so hey, why? <laughs> okay, well, listen, I love Amazon. Sure. I buy a ton of shit. I just got into the internet like four years ago. <laughs> I swear to you. Like, right. I didn't have a computer or anything. I got very late on the game. But Amazon was one of those things that blew me away. These, I, I got Prime. I have Amazon Prime. Yeah. Do you know what that is? Yeah, like it's, uh, I don't know, it's, what's the whole it's thing? It's basically free two-day shipping. You pay 70 bucks for a year, and you can, whatever you buy, most of it, you can get it in two days. Which doesn't seem like a big deal, but presents and all kinds of things, whatever you want to order, it comes in two days. It's fantastic. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, the only thing that bothers me is, you know, the, the California just started t- adding tax at, at Amazon? Oh, yeah. There was this whole thing. Okay. Sorry. I had to uh, shut the fan off real quick. We're back on the podcast. I was saying there was this whole, there's this whole thing where... Yeah, there were for a while California shut down or the state of California shut down the Amazon Associates program and it was related to like collecting California tax or something. And uh, yeah, it was this whole big, I don't know, rigmarole, but it seems like they sorted it out. But I'm guessing that the tax that they're adding. Yeah, now, last, yeah, last year Amazon said, give us one more year without taxes and we'll stay here. Otherwise they were going to move a bunch of jobs out. And so California let them stay for one more year, but it just kicked in. It hurts my heart, bro. I used to pay like nine ninety nine. Now you pay like ten seventeen or something, or yeah. no eleven seventeen. Yeah, it just breaks your heart. Those uneven numbers really bother me. It does. It's unsettling. Doesn't feel yeah nine ninety nine. That's why they set the price at nine ninety nine. <laughs> They're trying to trick you into thinking it's a good deal. Now eleven seventeen. You know it. it Eleven seventeen or something that's like these odd weird numbers. You know it's totally random. So in your brain, you're thinking like, "Oh, this is just more percentage profits for them." Like at least like an even ten dollars in your brain. That's like, okay, even ten dollars. That it makes sense to you more. Yeah, absolutely. But hey, I still love Amazon, and I'm glad that they're a proud <laughs> yeah. sponsor of the Green Room Show. Exactly. Whatever yeah. bad mouthing we were saying about Amazon, the point is you can get everything. Um, yeah, that's crazy because I was reading about Google and uh, Google's like basically just attempt to take over the world and they're basically buying out different – not only like retail stuff but also like even delivery companies so that they can basically – you Google something you want, a Google local deal or like some kind of Google ad shows up. You buy it through them. They own the retail. Like they're basically bought out someone who was competing with Amazon, so they own that, and then they own the truck that delivers it to you. Are they really going heads up with Amazon? They're trying to. I think there was. Uh, yeah, I think they're. I think they're trying to do. I forget the exact article, but I know they're doing something to try and compete with Amazon. Like they're basically. I think it just started with, hey, we own search, and now basically, if you own search like that, you can own everything. We're going to get you the exact uh, name of those articles. Uh, we're going to Google there's a, them. There's going to be a podcast. <laughs> we're going to Google that? Yeah, exactly. Google's going to somehow suppress that. You won't be able to find it. I'm going to put out a podcast primer. It's, it's great to be here, guys, at the, the, where we feel there's an American flag here. Sean's a patriot. Uh, he's not drinking. He looks great. Thank you. He's got a woman now. How long have you guys been together? Um, let's see. It's been about six months. Yeah. Uh, you seem so, like, calm and, oh, really? like, good. And happy? Do wow. you feel happy? No, not at all. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad my uh, deception is uh, paying off. You, you, no, you're not that happy. No, I'm. I'm doing all right. But uh, yeah, it's just the. Uh, I don't know the uh, way to show business. Show business is just horseshit. And uh, yeah, you know, just. Um, don't you just wish you had a job where you could like just make like. 
five or six hundred bucks a week and then just do whatever you're doing? Yeah, yeah. That's no, not even, that's I not mean, crazy, right? Yeah, no, I've been doing uh, some computer stuff and this and that. And uh, no, yeah, it'd be ideal to make more money off of uh, comedy and more money off stand up. But that's, it's, I mean, that's the frustrating and, you know, thing that you got to keep telling yourself. Or in Hollywood, it's, you know, like it is just it's such insanely arbitrary as far as, yeah, I mean, you probably could be a lot better than a lot of people that are getting paid, but it's about getting in front of the right people at the right time. And even in this era of still being able to do a lot for yourself, there is still so much up to chance. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, that aspect is frustrating. I think, but- I think there's a change coming. I think that in the next 10 years, I think we're going to figure out a way to monetize and to, to take away control from the right, the usual gatekeepers. We just have to figure it out. Yeah, but no. Yeah, someone like you, you're a very funny uh, comedian, and like you make, you can make any room laugh. That's like a true thing. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It's true. That's though. why I brought Steve on. He's great. <laughs> he knows the game. <laughs> Steve knows how to kiss people's ass. Well, I just know, you know, now that I'm starting to see, you know, g- getting because I'd like to get paid too, but a lot of these like club gigs or these paid gigs, stuff where you make a little bit of money, it hurts your soul to be in front of those people. Yeah. Or to even work with some of those people. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I did this um, – yeah, this club owner from Arizona was um, was out here. He was trying to start a room out in Orange County. And so I, I decided like – all right. I don't know. Somehow I'm on the email list and it's like, hey, looking for LA Comics to come down, trying to start this room down in Orange County. And I was like, ah, see, this is a great example of why, why I'm pissed off all the time. It's like, <laughs> so in my head, I'm like, uh, driving down to Orange County, this is going to be a huge pain in the ass. But look, it looks like this guy is really trying to start something out here and more so. It wouldn't be as much as like the gig out here. It would be more about like, oh man, if I do really well, then I can get some more road work. This guy owns a few clubs in Arizona. That'd probably be good. So I decided like, all right, I'll end up doing it. Yeah, I, you know, assuming I'm not going to get any money, drive down to Orange County for the show, show up there, and the guy's like, you know, hey, what, what are you comedians? You didn't promote? Blah, 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 like giving everyone a hard time. I'm like. Dude, you know, I, I can get maybe a couple people out in Los Angeles. That's in Los Angeles. I'm not going to get anyone to drive an hour. No one is going to get anyone to drive an hour down to Orange County to come see the, check them out at some, like, room. that I have restaurants in Los Angeles that I can perform at, right? I did you a favor <laughs> by driving all the way down here. And then, yeah, he tried to charge uh, Tess, my girlfriend, who's also a comedian, $5. I was like, no, you're not doing that. <laughs> and then he ends up he ends up canceling the show. He's just like, yeah, no one showed up. He's like, I told all these comedians to promote, blah, blah, blah. And then I was just super pissed. But ended up being – got a nice dinner, so it wasn't a total waste of night. But just like that aspect of show business of like, hey, should I do this because – uh, maybe this will get me good in here. And you're you just kind of have this engine of red hot coals going, all right, keep moving forward, keep moving forward. But it's, yeah, it's obviously frustrating when you're like, oh, I totally wasted all my time doing this. I should have just uh, went up and got up at the midnight uh, improv show or I should have done this or I should have wrote jokes. Like, Yeah, you just don't know what to do. Right. It's like I have all this energy. I have all this passion. I'm not afraid to – well, I mean, I've gotten better in my mind, at least trying to play the game of show business. But even then, like, I, I don't, it's like, it's not easy to figure out. Here's a clear cut. Like, this is like the easiest and it's a real funny decision. Sundays, uh, are the big nights at the comedy store to go to the open mic. Yeah. If you guys don't know out there, you green room show listeners, uh, they pick about, I think they pick 15 three minute spots. Well, about 90 people show up every Sunday and Everyone signs this list, and then they take it in the back, and the guy there, Tommy, arbitrarily picks 15 people. Out of the 15, there's usually four homeless people that have been doing it for 20 years. Yeah, that he thinks, like, <laughs> oh, it's going to be funny to watch these guys. Yeah. Meanwhile, you got other guys that are, like, dying to get stage time and probably really could use the stage time, but, hey, I'm this gatekeeper. And that's the other thing. These people... They're the worst, it, like comedy club owners, or like you said, like guys, like uh, I, I don't know, I didn't mean to step on your story, but like they, I mean, comics are so desperate to get up on stage and just hungry to work on their craft that people who kind of wield that power just 
they get off on it. And a lot of these people you find either in show business, either like managers, agents, that kind of people, or people that were huge nerds in high school and now like now really relish the position of like, oh, hey, I'm now the one in power. I'm the one deciding Huge who's... nerds in high school. Well, they are. Doesn't it feel like you... I don't know. The, from the agents or people that I met, it felt like... There a lot of these people. I mean, and granted, the performers are doing in the same way a lot of the same thing. Like performers are making up for the attention they didn't get in high school a Absolutely. lot of the times. No, I hear what you're saying, Sean. I'm not stepping on that. It makes me laugh though. Just <laughs> think of them fucking. Ne- oh, can you curse on this? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Think of well, I don't. That's not even a good use of a curse word right there. <laughs> you but blew the, it, yeah, on nerds. <laughs> these nerds, yeah. Just uh, I I absolutely hear what you're saying, but uh, yeah. So do you go to that thing, or you could do three open mics? That are kind of shitty, but you get good stage time. Yeah. So to me, that's all. Even that on a Sunday, do I do this? Because there are guys who have come out of the comedy store who have kissed butt and just hung out there, and they're great comics now. Or do you go do three or four open mics and try to just become a great comic and then get in there some other way? Who knows? Yeah. No, that's it. That's I guess that's the uh, that's the frustrating thing. Now, Steve, you've. Uh Man, just from uh, knowing you and hanging out and being on your podcast, checking it out, you've lived a uh, – I feel like you've already lived a couple lives before you started doing stand-up comedy. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's lay this on the table. Sure. I'm on an, I'm in an open marriage. That's yes. always weird and fluctuating. <laughs> it's always weird. Yes. Um, I used to be a, a youth minister at a mega church. Sure. That's a big thing. Uh, I'm a big ladies' man. I tend bar. <laughs> I, I'm always spinning these plates. All of those things come into play. Yeah, it's all very complicated. <laughs> now that's the thing. Um, okay, so you have an open marriage. Uh, let's, you know, that's obviously super fascinating. Well, let's just talk about that real quick. Now, when you started the relationship, when you started uh, dating your girlfriend, now wife, was how early did you get? How early was that thrown in, or was this something later on when things got boring, or how early into the into the relationship did that come into play? Uh, you know what? I just thought of a story I'm going to break on the show that I've never told anyone. Like it. Yeah. But, uh, okay, about eight months in or six months in, you know, I met her. We were fucking every day, having fun, doing great. But, you know, everybody has that relationship talk where you try to figure out uh, – where you figure out, like, what, how much sex, like, the other person's had. You talk about your experiences. Yeah. I, you know, I was 27. My girlfriend was 20 at the time. Uh, I thought I was bringing <laughs> some heat to the table. <laughs> With like eight, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna knock the little socks off, man." You know, eight or nine. That's always that. That's always that great Chris Rock bit where he's like, "Just don't ask." He's like, "Cause any answer, any number you hear from the girl is." is too high he's just like two two oh i guess that's how you were raised i've never really actually i've never uh fig- figured out how many she's actually had yeah but she started to tell me all the different things she had done and she'd had all varieties of threesomes she oh wow her and a girl and a guy her and two guys she her freshman year in college she slept with her female roommate like a whole bunch like they but they weren't gay but they just fucked all the time girls can do that shit yeah exactly uh and uh I was just like a typical like Mexican guy, you know, just jealous <laughs> and shit. I was pissed. I was pissed. Like I thought, like, how could you do this to me before you met me? Like, right. You so you're bitch. you're seven years older and you yeah. already feel way behind the game. Yeah, I mean I just felt you know, you just feel you feel stupid, but um <laughs> Yeah, you feel stupid. That, you know, but, uh. Yeah, I guess it is one in anything where, uh, maybe there's a little bit of competition or something. Like, you feel like coming in, you should naturally be the more experienced one. So, in a way, there's some sort of odd embarrassment that you haven't been more sure, active. Sure, yeah. I, I, I was embarrassed about it. But then, and this is true. And, you know, this is kind of a joke I tell, but this is really serious. I, I don't know what I believe in in terms of God anymore, but I do have a conscience. And that was what I used to call God, that voice that tells me to do the right thing. And I remember sitting in my bedroom and being mad. And I remember God saying, because what really bothered me about this was that her and two guys. You yeah. know, whenever you hear about that, you're like, either she was taken advantage of. And, you know, if I bump into one of these guys, do they think they have one over on me or whatever? <laughs> And uh I remember just sitting there and then God, what I call God, really asking me, Steve, would you love two pussies in your face? <laughs> and I said, yes, Lord, I would love two pussies in my face. And he asked me again, Steve, would you love two pussies in your face? And I said, yes, Lord, you know I would love two pussies. And then he said, 
then why don't you let her love, <laughs> love two dicks in her face? God fucking dropped the golden rule on me. He works in mysterious ways. I like that. God weighing in on some threesome advice. So, yeah, Classy. So, so I started thinking about her uh, as a woman and as a sexual equal. And, uh, you know, she's bi. So we thought, let's try to get to, let's get someone to do a threesome. But that's really creepy to try to get someone into a threesome. Now, real, real quick. Yeah. Was there any, before you started dating her, before you hooked up, was there any signs for maybe guys out there wanting to get in, <laughs> wanting to find this fabulous kind of freak uh, type relationship or freak in the bedroom? Well, everyone thinks it's so great. But, Sean, you wouldn't be comfortable with Tess sleeping with anybody else. No, no. That's the thing. Like, the idea sounds awesome. But if you're actually in a relationship, even if it was another girl, that – yeah, I don't know. I, I know – I just don't think my ego would be able to handle it or I, I would feel weird about it. I mean, I'm way more – prudish but yeah, yeah I, I don't i i don't know if i'm prudish uh, i'm wildly self-confident i'm too confident so yeah. that like allows for me but i also know that she doesn't really date that much so if she did i would probably more be more on nails the more but she's like got a regular job she works nine to five papa's always out doing comedy mer- slaying audiences watching exactly. women swoon. right I bartend. I, my bar is like my church. These <laughs> these young babes, like they come the in. Church they, is Steve. They hear the ideas like when they're 22. I've been there six years now, 22, 23, and they're like, oh, so weird. But give, give three years in, they've been hearing me talk. They've been watching me sway. I mean, I got a great <laughs> face. And they start buying it, so. Yeah, that's – um okay, so you – We tried threesomes. That didn't work. We swang for a year. So we now, tried what is, swinging for what's, a What's the difference between like a threesome and a swing? We're polyamorous. So now we are currently polyamorous. That means that we I, we believe that it's okay and good to have real emotional relationships with other people, to love more than one person. Oh, okay. Yeah. So swinging is just fucking. It's like sport. Like we've gone to like mansion parties and there's a big club called Freedom Acres that uh, is like the craziest thing you've ever been to. You pay 80 bucks. Okay. Okay. And you go in half of it. And it's, I, Sean, you have no idea. I wish you could <laughs> fucking understand what this is like. And it's like a club. You walk in, it's a club. Swingers, though, are mostly in the 40s and shit because they've been married and they're like, oh, this they're is bored. Yeah. yeah. So we were like a pretty hot ticket item. Uh, but you go and it's like a club, just a regular club. You bring your own booze. And then after you drink for a while, there's a back area. And in that back area, you guys can't go alone. They have to be with a woman. But then there's like tons of different rooms and built up areas. There's a huge room with like 20 mattresses in it. There's rooms little pride away so you could just go get couples. But there is just Caligula type stuff. Mad fucking like orgy type situations going on. That was fun for about a year. Now do you get, do you get burned out? What's the, like now after you finish, you're sitting in this like orgied warehouse. Is there kind of like a moment where like, get me out of here? Are you, do you, do you get freaked out at all? Um, I'll tell you what, uh, usually there's a lot of drinking going on, so it's not a big deal. Like you, you like just rest up a little bit and you're still watching people fuck. Like no matter what anyone says, no matter what you look like, when you're watching people fuck in front of you, it's like the coolest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> it's like being on it's drugs. It's like a zoo of sex. There's other mansion party we went to. I'll never forget the first one we went to. We, I was just fucking Stephanie doggy style. And then right across from us on another mattress, this other woman, cute chick was getting fucked doggy style. And she was just looking me in the eyes. Wow. It was better than any drug I've ever done. It was That's crazy. Intense. Yeah. So uh, you're, if you're drunk, I did go there sober once. Sometime I was taking a break. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> it was disgusting. They have a like buffet all the time and that was gross. Everything about it. I fucked some lady. Then I was like, we got to get out of here. This place is disgusting. It's disgusting. <laughs> right. You yeah. really need to knock down your inhibitions. And I would imagine to kind of get to that animalistic level because you just look at it from – if you're totally stone cold sober and just looking at it kind of as you typically look at society, there's got to be some freaky oh, weird yeah. moments there. Some Greek sh- – Dionysian. We got to get drunk <laughs> and just have orgies. But, you know, it was fun. Now – all right. So, okay. Now, like you said, a lot of plate spinning. To me – you talk about being polyamorous, having you. I think just recently you were talking. You just broken up with one of your girlfriends or girlfriend. Now to me, that just sounds like you're working. You have a wife and stand up comedy, and then you have a girlfriend. To, to me, this just sounds like I don't know. For me, time wise, one relationship is enough. How do you kind of how do you kind of factor in, or how are you even motivated, like to take another girl out on more dates and be invested emotionally? 
It becomes uh, – that's a real issue and it becomes less and less like attractive. So like right now up until – you know, I've been married. We just had our four-year anniversary. But I'm just getting – I'm getting to a real healthy place like – I'm just like my sexuality. Like I'm so sexy right now, Sean. Like in terms of like how much – how much money I'm making and how how much I love stand up and just how good I am at communicating. I didn't drink for a long time. It's just like the the ladies are flocking. And I think for the past year you kind of just yeah, this is great, this is fun. But you're absolutely right. Now right at this point I'm like, okay. But I want to build something that's real and that's concrete. And as much as those things are fun and I have a great time and they're even meaningful to me, you only have so much fucking time in the day. So yeah. in terms of stand up and even my wife like you know, this is a woman. I, I took a girl out. We went to a real nice restaurant, and it <laughs> ended up being uh, she had a couple of glasses of wine. Ended up being 150 bucks. Uh, <laughs> and I thought when I was paying that bill, and you know, I had sex with the girl and everything after, and it was a good time. But as I was paying that, because my wife's and our money's mixed, and I don't take advantage of her. But as I was paying that, I was like, if I'm going to spend 150 fucking dollars for dinner. I want it to be with a woman who is, loves me and helps fucking has turned me into a good man. <laughs> I don't want to be with this, you know, nice girl, sexy and shit. Now, now, all right. So you take a girl out on a date. Yeah. Um, you come back at the house. Any sort of follow up questions? Is it just like the military in the late nineties? No don't ask, don't dwell. <laughs> like, do you just just no acknowledgement of it? Or like, let's say you're, you're telling me earlier, your wife likes to plan every little thing out. Yeah. It's very organized, very regimented in that yeah. sense. Um, so if she says, Hey, tomorrow at six o'clock, we're meeting uh, so-and-so. That doesn't ever happen. Okay. So we're like, I have to say the second week of December, I want, uh, I'm going to be doing something on this Saturday. <laughs> so you just, you, you're be, you be real ambiguous and just say, Hey, I got some me time penciled in later. Yeah. I, the five weeks I want December 5th, that Saturday. Saturdays are very rare and special. So I was like, okay, in five weeks, I want that date. And, you know, she doesn't ask any questions, but she's not a jealous type. Like if she dated people, I would be fucking throwing shit through windows. <laughs> like I'm a regular person. She's now, not- does she, does she, I mean, I'm uh, obviously the swinging, but, um, so does she hook up with guys on the side or? No. Or, okay. Absolutely. She just has this life where she goes to her office and she's in, you know what the junior league is? Junior league. No. Yeah, it's like a, a very old, um, chari- charity organization she's very involved with. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so she has like three friends and they always hang, drink wine and watch True Blood. She's like a regular girl. Her, the way she looks at polyamory is she wants to be able, if she ever has the option, she wants to be able to have sex with ever who she wants to. Yeah. The way I look at it, <laughs> I want to marry every woman that I meet, have a whole separate life with them. And uh, so we're at two ends of this record. <laughs> but it, se- it seems like it's working, right? It's working. What, now, what would, uh, what would cause, just theoretically, what do you think, any, do you see anything happening in like these potential swinging or stuff like that where it would cause a rift? To that it would take down the marriage like a divorce we talk we've been talking about divorce a lot lately the, the best thing oh, okay. yeah the best thing about polyamorous <laughs> being polyamorous is that uh, we just value honesty and honest communication so uh we were talking about you know we're feeling like maybe we should get divorced soon just because uh, I, i'm not sure about kids and she's thinking she really wants kids and she's at an age where she's like well if you don't want them for sure let me know because i gotta go find a man then that will put a baby in me yeah and i'm like okay uh all right so we we talk about that. Anything can, man. You know. Yeah. I can't date hardly any women. <laughs> you, you know that it's like most women just want to get married. It's their whole heart. It's their whole. It's a sad right. So like society. this this chick you took out on this date. Is she? Do you clue every girl in that you take on a date? Every girl, you got to give a long spiel. You got to do the whole thing. They got to know everything because Stephanie doesn't ever want to feel like a woman's getting one over on her. Yeah. So I give this spiel at the bar. Everyone, all the time, there's a point. And let me tell you something. 95% of women say that's weird. Every one of them say that's weird. And let me tell you, that's weird has never equated into wet pussy. Not once in the history no. of man. No. <laughs> that's weird is never – they're never taking their top off now. Yeah. No, they're like, that's weird. Let me get more comfortable. Yeah. They don't, yeah, chicks operate on that kind of – they're all feeling-based. They so, don't have a rational So the, that part of divorce I think would be if I was selfish enough or if I would wanted to maybe – experience other people like there's i can't date most people unless they're very open-minded so part of me would say eh fuck it you're only basically your dating pool is only other kind of like threesome swinging people or people with probably some sort of like 
other sort of issue where they would be attracted to dating a married man, right? Sure, or or people who are other polyamorous. Yeah, people. other polyamorous. But it's yeah, it's like few and far between. But it's the only way that works for me. I don't have to lie. I can be honest about that. Um, I, I get to have sex and to even have an emotional, intimate conversation with a woman and not feel like I'm cheating on my wife. So it'll always work for me. But uh, I don't know, you know. No, that's what I'm. Uh, I'm impressed with your ability to. Just constantly be hitting on chicks. I like, <laughs> like, I, I just put – I am put myself out there all the time. I feel like – and I know most people won't bite, but they bite. No. I mean here's the thing. Like um, listen, I'm no uh, – you know. <laughs> I'm no – I'm no Tom Cruise. Listen, we're both, uh, say, just describe average-looking guys. Um, well, hold on. I'm you're, – you're average-looking. You have sure. beautiful eyes. Thank you. You got a great face, too. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm morbidly obese, but I've got yeah. a, a killer face. Yes. Like, if I lost 60 pounds, I would be a solid LA9. <laughs> but because I'm morbidly obese, six and a half tops. And that's not even including – you know, it's just looks. Yeah, I'm just saying for guys out there who think like, oh, hey, I'm a little overweight – uh, I can't. I'm have trouble meeting women. You, exi- you like you exude just this kind of like suave. You're always just always kind of like turning the room to your side in like in a positive way of like you're always kind of getting the conversation going. As soon as you meet a girl, you're always kind of like just basically making her more comfortable. Like I just see you as. Uh, you know, basically, you're just always – you're a spider who's always building a web, you know? You know, that's probably from bartending. Yeah. Because, although you know, I work at a great bar, but a lot of times they just come in and you're like, all right, how am I going to fucking – I want to be the bartender like on that they remember for the rest of your life. So right away, you just make them – people come to bars to have fun and to relax and to like – you know, so that's really how I make money and it's – I guess it's how I get sex too. Now um – you kind of have that outgoing personality, a lot of charisma. You you seem uh, very comfortable on stage talking in front of people about kind of uh, you know your different parts of your lifestyle and stuff like that. You had uh, touched on the fact that you were involved as a youth pastor early on. Do you see like a correlation between your experiences early on as a youth pastor and now either work in the room and bartending or doing stand up comedy? Well, I was a, I was a great. Uh, youth pastor i was really good i would be really funny uh and i love the bible i'd be really funny and then like when they would like stop laughing i'd say like do you ever feel alone <laughs> like it would really be that bad and like the, the guitar would start strumming i've saved hundreds of kids to the lord personally oh, congratulations. the holy spirit didn't even help i don't feel but i personally <laughs> he was too busy getting kids. advice from god on I, yeah sean i love the bible and i love like god for lack of a better term i love truth and what's right, and even being polyamorous to me, I feel like uh, it's it's the true and right thing. I believe that we're supposed to live in clans of people. I think that we're uh, that we live in an insular thing. I mean, you don't gotta have a fucking everyone, but it would be nice. See, now this is now is this is this part of the rap you give to the chick on this the date? Is, like, this is listen, not- I believe in God. I believe in what's good, and part of that is having chicks on the side. No, I don't. I think my wife. Here's the thing. My wife, one big thing for us, too, she told me with this last girl, she said, I don't want you to have babies with anybody else. Now, yes. if your wife said that to any other husband, <laughs> it would be – but I never thought about it. And I started to think about it and I thought if you love somebody and they've been with them for five years or so, like a decent amount of time, why wouldn't you want to have a baby with them? Yeah. So uh, I so I started to think and I really would love to have three wives – and I'd love to get rich. Never wanted to get rich before. Six months ago, I did not want to get rich. But now I want to get rich so I could get a big spread, have the back house and shit, so every wife could get a, like, a nice little area. <laughs> and here's the thing, though. she They can all have husbands, too. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Let's fucking mix it up. Let's tear this <laughs> shit up. I want to see what my face looks like black. I want to see what my face looks like Asian. Let's mix it all up. And once people have sex together, tie everything up like that, Dude, I think that's a fun utopian society. Yeah, exactly. You're like, um, I, I imagine this was Manson's rap, but you have. <laughs> I've considered myself more of a pure... David Koresh. Okay, yeah, but your your intentions are more pure. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I can have sex with. I don't have sex with anyone under twenty seven. I can have sex. These girls, twenty two year olds, Sean, beg for me. Wow. Sometimes they call me over. I'll pour them a Malibu and a pineapple, Ooh. 
And they'll, Look yeah, out. Three or four of them, they'll call me over and I'll be like, no, this is taking advantage. Have you ever, I mean, having sex with a young babe, it's not what it, you, they don't know their bodies. They don't know what's happening. They get this squ- scared, like I'm getting molested look <laughs> in their eyes. I swear to you, a 20 year old will get that look still. No, yeah, I, there definitely is something. That is one of the cruel tricks God played on us of like, guys, you know, they're mo, they're most like potent are when they're early twenties and then women mature much later on. It's weird. They mature emotionally kind of ahead of guys. Uh, but guys are like way ahead in the sexual department and then women mature sexually as they get older and guys get older and they're just like slowly and slowly get less and less interested. Our dads didn't care about pleasing women sexually. Right? <laughs> like I, they couldn't have, right? I don't know. I, I don't like to think about that about my dad as a sexual object. It's, it's never come up. He's never, he's never mentioned it in I'm going to ask my dad. I'm going to – because we have a pretty good conversation. His thing – I think back in the day, their generation, like fucking well meant fucking long. Like you'll hear them talk about it. Like my dad brags about fucking these prostitutes. He was stationed in (laughs) Vietnam. He And he tells me this one story about fucking a prostitute for like one hour. And then – no, no. It's not that. And then he's like, yeah, I fucked it for a whole hour. And then the hour was up and she said, do you want to go again? I was like, yeah, let's do another one. And he's like, bear – I know she thought I was going to come right away, but I didn't. I went that whole second hour. <laughs> and I was like, he, he did it three hours. <laughs> There's more to the story, but I don't want to build it up. But he fucked this prostitute for three hours. My God. That poor lady. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, she's a Vietnamese prostitute. Yes. Said, why would he put her through that? And isn't that part of – I'm not a prostitute guy, but isn't that part of the prostitute experience? I mean maybe it's different for some guys, but that, hey, you just get to have sex and then she leaves and you're done with it and she's out of your life? Three hours fucking a prostitute? I feel, feel bad for her, but I feel worse <coughs> for my dad. <laughs> like what was he thinking? That poor Mexican man far away from home? <laughs> For three hours. Yeah, just pumping away for three hours. He's just know. like, hey, you're going to know – you're going to walk away with one racial stereotype from this experience. And that is Mexican guys are hard workers and we never quit. My- and we know a good value, all right? I'm paying you by the uh, experience, all right? So three three hours, I'm getting my entire time worth it. You could have watched Meet Joe Black or you could fuck a Vietnamese prostitute for three hours. Well, depends. It's pretty, pretty similar. Now – do you think um you you kind of this this quest for polyamory? Do you think that was created by your experiences growing up as a kid? How how would you describe overall you, the family structure growing okay, up? Okay, yeah, my dad was an alcoholic. He used to be abusive. He's a great guy now. He found weed. I swear to you, it's transformed. This sounds like a PS. I mean, this, this sounds like a weed PSA, but there is something to. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same rap every cliched stoner gives you, but there is some truth into that of like, you know, the bloatedness, the liver problems, the um, the weight gain, the anger. Yeah. A lot of it. I mean, if you are kind of in a position where you're going to self medicate, and let's be honest, a majority of Americans self medicate to some degree on some level with with some sort of either vice or activity or release in some way. Weed, as far as the society standpoint, is possibly the most benign. Yeah, I mean, it, it's changed him completely. Alcoholism runs in, in his blood and my blood. Uh, every, every, my sister, my brother, all of us have, have to deal with alcohol. But, uh, and he, he'll drink sometimes. And when he drinks, you know, he'll drive blackout drunk home on and blow out a tire, you know, and blow out a rim. He's 57 years old. Wow. Uh, here's what my parents not working out and being from that was, uh, I decided to go to the church and made the church my family. But then after a while with the church and in the Bible and everything, I saw that 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 had giant flaws too. So like my lifestyle, a lot of people who aren't into it like have parents that are married. Your parents are married, right? Yeah. And they're pretty happy. They're like just regular normal people, yep. right? Yeah, they've had a great marriage. I didn't have that. So I'm not playing. I have to please no one. Right. All I do is have this fucking – is seek the truth and try to break down any norms that don't make sense to me. And so I'm almost grateful now that I'm older that I don't have to please anybody. My dad doesn't like my man. He, this guy that was fucked prostitute, <laughs> he tries to cl- tell me that he's like a Christian still and that he prays for me. Like I told him about us being in an open marriage. Yeah. And, uh, he was like, you know, bear, like I just, 
I've been praying for you. That's your nickname. Yeah, he calls me great. He's like, you know, Bear, you know, I've just been on my knees since I heard this. And I was like, was this before you went on those Tijuana prostitute runs or? God's getting, God's getting a lot of interesting uh, prayers on the prayer hotline. (laughs) Dear Lord, please end Steve's threesome. Oh, hold on. Let me get, let me get Steve. He's, he's wondering about whether to allow the wife to, if she should judge her for her threesomes. (laughs) All, all this stuff sounds like it's a sex thing, but what it is, is about honesty and ethics in a way like my wife i know she's attracted to other men and uh, if she had i know that some guy's dick at this point in time because we've been together for so long would do more for her than my dick could ever do for her at this point we just once you're with someone for fucking years physiologically your body shuts down in different ways I mean, when we get fucking hot for people, it's because our body wants us to make babies. Right. And since we've told our bodies we're not making any babies anytime soon, you know, my five and a half inch dick is just not going to please you the way (laughs) some other guy's five and a half dick. So that's fine with me. Yeah. No, it is weird. It's, um, or I mean, the dynamic is interesting. Like, I, you know, I don't really have any opinion one way or the other. Like, I I think it's, I think it's very interesting, but it's like, on the outside, it's like, oh my God, that sounds so crazy. But then it also sounds like it makes so much sense. You know what I mean? Like there's dual ends of the spectrum of like, hey, that's so crazy. That could never work. But then maybe being that so open-minded on that level is like, makes so much logical sense that like, why deny yourself of these basic human uh, desires? And then the other part, you know, I mean, in reality, maybe there's, maybe there's an interesting middle ground that you can find, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I'm just I find you know, and I, I want to, I don't want you to think that I've like, I'm continually to challenge our beliefs. Like we don't have sex that much because I think a lot of it's because I do comedy. Cause when she gets home, I'm gone. Yeah. That's, we just have opposite shifts. So we see each other maybe once a week. We have sex maybe two or three times a month. Um, but I do think that maybe if we, and that bothers me. It doesn't bother me because I want to fuck my wife. It bothers me that I don't have this crazy desire to fuck my wife. Like most people who are monogamous, it sounds like have sex one to twice to three times a week. Yeah. And, um, sounds about right. I would like, I would like to have those desires for my wife that regular people do. And I wonder sometimes, I've been thinking about this lately, is if, because I give myself so many other options, if that that desire isn't there, because I live this way. Well, and may, yeah, maybe there is something to, like here here's a here's an analogy. Tell me if you think I'm on board here. Where, as a kid, you developed an imagination, like especially our our generation or even the generation before, you developed a, an imagination because you didn't have Xbox, you didn't have uh, as many distractions, you didn't have the internet, you didn't have the cell phone, so you were forced. To turn, hey, your backyard into something interesting. Your the the woods that you hang out in, interesting. Uh, your street block, you were forced to make it interesting because you had no other choice. In the same way that if you're locked into monogamy, you're almost forced to challenge yourself to find a way to make this interesting. Whereas if you were, yeah, if you're a 1940s kid, instead of playing stickball, someone walked by with a Game Boy. Dating myself here with the reference, but <laughs> it came by and just said like, hey, check out this Game Boy. Oh, you never play stickball again, but maybe there. There were some great things you learned about yourself through stickball or you know sure. just play devil's just, advocate it's just limitations do and people thrive a lot of times with limitations that's all it is yeah like you almost challenge yourself to make it interesting and challenge yourself to find new connections and that would create a stronger attraction yeah so we're just trying to figure out too then but society also tells us that we we have to get everything from this one person and so now we're trying to – and we talk – I mean, me and Steph talk about all this stuff all the time. So we're trying to figure out what if sex then, if if you do open about this, maybe sex isn't something you necessarily – because as we know, our parents aren't fucking like that much anymore. I know yeah. like people go months without fucking them. So maybe sex isn't something that you have to necessarily just get from your spouse. I mean, maybe that's not a given. But, you know, I still feel bad sometimes. I, I wish I could I, – you know, I wish I desired my wife the same way. That I used to, but maybe that's just one of the sad things about. And I think in marriages too, there's hot and cold spells. Um, you know, she doesn't want. Periods. She doesn't want to fuck me though, <laughs> and I think that's what I tell her too. I mean, she. It's listen. I'm not like so hot to like. I'm not like a horny for her either. Although she's beautiful, <laughs> I always tell her if she walked in the, the type of woman that I like is my wife to the T. If she walked into my bar last night. It would have spun my head 10,000 ways. Yeah. But I've just been with her so long. So she doesn't really – there's been times where we get in a fight like when we start having sex. And I, I can tell she doesn't – she's not into it. 
And that's, do you stop midstream if you feel she's I've gotten into a fight. Like we've got, we get into fights where I'm like, hey, we don't have to do this. Like there are five girls that I have sex with regularly that love well, the pop. Now at least you, uh, most married guys, I feel like don't have that leverage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to use in yeah, the relationship. For both of us, we're sad that we don't like want to fuck each other. Like. You know, we used to, I guess. So it's kind of sad. But that's – I think you're right. I, I think that's life. I think that's marriage. And it's just one more sad thing about life. <laughs> but at least, you know, in my position, I get to meet new people. And I get to explore these other women, you know, physically, emotionally. So that's – that's so, you know. Now, this is – that was my overall thought. Yeah. Just seems like a lot to it, this whole this whole thing. Seems like a lot to it. And well, I just – yeah, there's a lot to it. And I, but I, I love this shit. Like, I love talking about emotions and relationships. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. You, uh, you kind of so, you really enjoy rapping to people. You know what I mean? Like, feeling them out, getting their comfort zone. Like, and that, you, you kind of have that same thing, like, politician, preacher, um, that, you know, in a, in a positive attribute of, like, connecting to people, eye contact. What's your thing? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you kind of, you have that aura. And I think, uh, I think that's one of your strengths in stand up, especially. Is like you immediately go up there and you don't – as an audience member, you don't sense like this guy's discomforted at all. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I well, think it's, it's been a while. Yeah. You know, I've been doing comedy for two and a half years, Sean. And you remember how shitty I must have been when I first started. No, but I'm back. just saying like, yeah, you progress as a comedian overall. But I think that's kind of been one of your natural strengths, just that inherent ability to talk to people and feel comfortable. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Well, thank I, you. I think that's. Uh, now, yeah, we've thoroughly sucked each other's dick off about how great exactly. comedians we are. <laughs> <laughs> now you can tell. Now you can tell your wife, like, hey, I did a little swinging, and uh, so now we. Uh, another part you had talked about uh, the drinking. Now, yeah. for a while, uh, or this past, uh, it seemed like a year or so. I don't know. I didn't keep track of it. I know you're sober. I asked you to have a drink before the podcast. See if you wanted something to drink. I was like, hey, juice, you water, said water, and juice. Well, cause would I, you have had a beer? Um, yeah, I probably, I mean, I'm fine. I might have to drive later and having a, I just got my license back. So I'm super, super super paranoid about, uh, having to do that. So I would have to think about it. I'd have to check my schedule, but, um, now I was just like, oh, you know, assuming you didn't want any alcohol and you're like, oh, I'm back drinking. I wouldn't have drank. And Sean, this is interesting that you've had me on because I, I, I stopped drinking the last time I drank, I blacked out, was at your show. Yes, I remember. 14 months. <laughs> I did not drink for 14 months. Uh, Sean, for you guys don't know, used to run a show uh, at uh, the Old Town Pub in Pasadena. Yep. It was a fun show. Yeah, you just get, a little bar you, show. Just a little bar show. You would get some weird, real weirdos. This one night, I came <laughs> over from an open mic, and I'd been drinking at the open mic, three or four vodka sodas or something. And then I had a couple of beers here. And then I blacked out. <laughs> And I went on stage. Now, this particular show, there was a lady boy there, like a very <laughs> attractive lady boy. Like, I, I don't have any problem saying that because I guess – yeah, I guess I'm bisexual for lack of a better term. Sure. Like, I've fucked dudes before. I don't look at guys I, – Sean, I think I said this on your podcast when you did my podcast, Respect the Danger of Knives. Yeah, it's uh, a great I, podcast. Yeah, it's a Subscribe gra- on iTunes. Yeah, it's a big hit. Stitchers too. Are you on? Are you on Stitcher? Yeah, no Stitcher. And, I'll add uh, you to one of my fave stations. I just download your stuff. Um, yeah, and uh, well, quick side note: Stitcher, the sports gambling podcast, the other podcast I do does gangbusters on stitcher and i think it's just because it's called sports gambling podcast <laughs> it's, you know and we've actually built an audience from that on stitcher because people just like you're scrolling through and like sports gambling podcast okay i know what this is immediately yeah. you know like even green room or whatever respect the danger of knives it's a cool name or whatever but you almost have to listen you know like it's an sure. easy sports gambling podcast easy cold sell and what's good that for you too is you've been doing this so long that you were probably just easily and then you're passionate about sports gambling yeah and that, and also that seemed like that's my advice to anyone starting a podcast right now is if you're going to start one find a niche you know what i mean like uh whatever kind of interest you're really into whatever kind of uh small community you're really involved in that that's really how you would uh, if you're not already established to just start a podcast, I think it's really tough. Um, but, or I mean, not tough. I mean, it is what it is. But I think if you really want something successful, find a super niche. Yeah, you're lucky that you had that. I mean, you know, but you've been doing this for years already. Yeah. So right off the gate, your podcast sounds better than most fucking people that are starting. Yeah. Thanks. I started doing podcasts because I love talking to people. Yeah. Like, no, like, you're very, uh, you're very comfortable. Yeah. I just love talking to people. 
So if I never got successful, I don't give a shit. So now, all right, um, the last time you had drank. Yeah. You you were at the show. I remember it. You, you came in. Could you tell that I was that drunk when I was on stage? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you were really drunk. Yeah. Um, you came in kind of with a – I've seen the uh, the look at myself sometimes. You're a man on a mission where <laughs> you, you just kind of have this seed <laughs> planted early in the evening of like, I'm going to get really wasted. You get a couple shots. Yeah. Uh, basically, I, I feel like there's something where like – I, I don't know, like the, the plug gets uncorked or the genie's out of the bottle. You know what I mean? Like, you're all, the drinking genie's been let out of the bottle. I can yeah. tell you were kind of a, yeah, you were looking to get tuned up and then you went on stage, you were pretty drunk. And, uh, I spent half my set trying to pick up that ladyboy. Yeah. No, yeah. I thought that was really hilarious. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't tell if that was you actually being serious or you were attracted to this guy or you were kind of attracted and kind of fucking around. It was, it was a funny well, dynamic. I remember to see. the, I remember the ladyboy heckling everybody, right? Yeah. And so I think what I got up, because I don't really remember it, I, I was like, I was saying things. I think I was just trying to shut her down. But I also know if I'm that drunk that I'll probably fuck anything. <laughs> like, you know, like I said, I've had sex with guys before and she was a very pretty guy. So I could like almost like excuse myself in a lot yeah. of ways. Now, when did that come into play? Like swinging, stuff like that? No, just- that came when I quit being a youth pastor. There was just a time like where I'd always wondered if I was gay because, you know, I would like masturbate sometimes and stuff would flash in my head and I would think – Oh, maybe I'm gay. And so before Craigslist, there used to be these phone lines and stuff where uh, you would just call like chat lines and then you would like hook up with like – you can hook up with guys. You could just meet. And so I did that probably about five or six times. I fucked guys like five or six times and uh, I don't think I'm gay. <laughs> I love how it's five or six. There was like, all right, probably not gay, but uh, the sixth one definitely. Uh, well, you know, obviously with the way I live, I have no problem saying if I was gay. Like, or even bi. I say bi because, like, if I went to prison, like, I'd be fine. Like, it wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, that's what I. That's what I say about it. You'd like, adapt I, easily. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Be, I never look at. I never like look at guys and think like, oh man. I never. I would tell you. I'm telling you, green room show audience. I would tell you. But uh, I know, like, if I was in a desert island with some guy, like, we would fuck, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a big deal to me. Like, I wouldn't care that much. But, like, I, you know, I, I'm a ladies' man. I love women. I love the way they smell. It might, you know, I don't know. It might be a smell thing. Guys smell so fucking gross all the time. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, that's <laughs> Maybe if somebody scrubbed up really nice. That's basically, yeah, my main reason as to why I'm not attracted to guys, I think, is just... Uh, we're disgusting. Because, dude, after I would come and, like, I would smell, guy smell, I would, like, want to throw up. God. Yeah. Like, after I'd, like, be fucking a guy or something, I'd want to throw up. Like, Yeah, I could. I and it wasn't guilt. It wasn't this, like, more. I thought maybe it was guilt, but it's just, like, this is gross to me. Yeah. But guys are kind of nasty like that anyways, too. Well, gross, a lot of guys. We're gross beasts. So yeah. you, you kind of had this run and you're kind of flirting around with a guy. I do remember you peed in the sink. I think you got a ride home and then you just decided, the hey, next day I woke I'm going to dry out. Yeah, because I've been – I've taken breaks my whole life. I take six months off, three months off. I work at a bar and uh, – but that was a year into comedy and, you know, that was just a little bar show, you know. But for me also – it was Robert Yesamore was there. Dave Ross was there. Uh, Bob Buscemi were there. Uh, Vance Sanders was there. And these are guys that I respect. Yeah. And, and it was your show. I respect you. And I was like, I cannot. This is Hollywood. Maybe you could fucking dick off like this in Oklahoma and like nobody gives a shit. But if I do this a couple more times, people aren't going to take me serious. And uh, I've bet my life on this thing. So like t- being taken serious is is a big deal to me. So I said – I, I said, let's not do it. I don't want to drink anymore. I, I went to some meetings and stuff, but I didn't really fit in at the meetings that much. <laughs> I mean, I believe a lot of that stuff. I think you should be a better person and ask and it, for forgiveness. It's very uh, – I mean, I had to go to um, – well, part of being uh, – I got a DUI and then part of it was you had to go to court-ordered AAs. Yeah. And it totally totally reminded me of church. Like you read yeah. basically from the gospel of the AA book. Yeah. Um, there's like a pastor-type – leader dude who comes up he sh- he shares an anecdote um yeah and then people go around and share their stories and it was interesting it was compelling um but yeah. my, you know my story doesn't line it didn't line up with a lot of people like most of the people most people will hit some kind of rock bottom and yeah. i i always said i don't want to hit that rock bottom i want to stem this off so i i had no problem saying i'm an alcoholic I like i i'm not like that though i don't give a shit i'll say i'm an alcoholic i don't give a fuck like about my pride yeah but um 
I just didn't. Ultimately, uh, I had a great sponsor. Uh, he's a great guy, but we got to the fourth step. And oh, you have to do the fourth step. If you guys don't know, it's inventory. So you have to write down all the people that you feel have like hurt you. And you've got to like fill up all these people, like this big list of things. And when I asked my sponsor, I was like, well, like I'm supposed to write down my dad. Cause, uh, but I have a great relationship with my dad. Like I've forgiven yeah. my dad for everything he's done. You know, he, we've talked about this and like we have a great, so I told him right here, I was like, I'm not really angry at any of these people anymore. I know what happened and I've forgiven them and they've forgiven me. And he was like, oh, just write it down like as an exercise. And yeah. I was like, all right, I will. I was like, you know, whatever. If you're going to buy into this, you got to buy into this. So I wrote all that stuff down. And then when we went to review it, he said, oh, he's like, you you didn't write these columns right. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, you're supposed to write a fourth column over here. And I was like, well, I don't, I'm not even angry at these people. <laughs> I was just like, I don't really want to. I don't want to – I mean I grew out of a church and I did a bunch of stuff just because they told me to. Yeah. And at this point I was like, honestly, I don't want to – and for this specific instance – and it, with all that said, guys, AA is fucking great. And if I really wanted to quit drinking and did everything AA told me to, you could – you would quit drinking. But yeah. I, no, I mean it's been a great tool. I mean my grandfather was in it for like – yeah, I don't know, 30, 40 years, and he Maybe, was very into the organization. You have to be. If you get into the organization, you could not drink again. But And I'm not at that place yet, to, I guess, where I'm desperate enough. Maybe so I'm you're back on you're back on the good team, huh? And I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm terrified. I drank in Chicago. I always said if I start drinking again, I want to be out with a beautiful, a real cute babe at a bar at a city far away. I just murdered in Chicago. I had this babe right by me, and I bought us a couple of beers. I had a great time. Now I'm back in LA. I'm terrified that I'm going to murder someone with my car, wow. or that I'm going to well, yeah, I mean, that I'm going to be a dickhead to my wife. Like I'm just, I'm running scared at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, the advice is, yeah, don't murder anyone with your car. Um, well, it's it's a very, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, obviously, I mean, you're uh, okay. We were talking a little bit about the show. You love to drink. The yeah. most you get, you like mumble a little bit, but you kind of fall asleep, right? Um, like you say outrageous things, but you know. Yeah, I, I say stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, but you don't become like a mean, bad person, do you? I, I don't think I change my personality. No, but maybe my personality now is just kind of a guy who likes drinking. So <laughs> who knows? I mean, uh, I'll tell you what. Yeah, man. I don't. I, I maybe regret drinking too much because I'll feel like crap and hungover, and maybe. Uh, yeah, the only thing that I mean, the negative consequences for me as far as my drinking is, um, yeah, getting the DUI. But then um, the other, you know, sometimes I was too drunk uh, to do a set the right way or something like that. But then I've also had uh, sets where I was you really have killer sets. Yeah, I've had drunk. Real, yeah, <laughs> so you know, I don't know. I can't. I can't. If I was being a truthful and in, like inventory, sometimes, yeah, I do like having a few beers, and I, I think it does help me on some level. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think you got to stop drinking if it's causing. Like you said, the the definition of addiction is like negative side effects that are basically ruining your life. Um, and if you don't feel like that, then just keep on keeping on, man. I'm gonna give it a shot. I'll tell you what I was gonna not be able to live without is drunk fucking. Because that is the best. I'm not talking about real drinking. I'm talking like four four drinks in, like three or four drinks, three or four glasses of wine, and you got some babe with you. Yeah. Like I already was uh, with somebody like that, and I hadn't been with anyone for a year and a half or so. It's, it's the fucking best. How do you guys have sex with someone new sober? I do. Yeah. Again. No, it's a, it's a great uh, it's a great ice. I'm a great like drunk like sex guy too. <laughs> Because I get like just rough enough. Like I sleep mostly with white girls, and they love that shit. Like, yeah. if you're gonna be attracted to me, you the have bad some boy kind, Mexican. Yeah, you've got some kind of bad boy Mexican thing. So I like grab them kind of hard, and then like kiss them tenderly. <laughs> they love it. Like, it, 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 I just, see that's that's your whole rap. Because even then, when you say kiss them tenderly, like you change your voice. Oh and yeah, that's it's great. It's, <laughs> it's, I, lo I love it, Steve. All right, uh, real quick, couple uh, news clips I want to get to here before we wrap things up. This one, this is a. Uh, from the Katie Couric show. Now, she had on Rod Stewart, and uh, kudos to her for – I mean, we've all heard the uh, – you've heard the – what was you describe it? Urban legend about Rod Stewart, right? Yeah. 
Basically, um, they cut open uh, they cut open his stomach. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the the urban legend is he had to get his stomach pumped because he had swallowed so much uh, semen from <laughs> gay guys. But they they bring it up. Uh, Katie Kirk is doing a daytime talk show, and uh, I mean, obviously, they cleared this ahead of time with Rod Stewart. But this is uh, this is just a, a very amusing clip. Him addressing this, but I've never heard him address it. Uh, this is the first time I've ever heard this. To get his stomach pumped after an encounter with sailors at a gay bar in San Diego. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Thank you. Just winding me up, aren't you? So they, this this is actually what happened. I used to have this guy who worked for me. He was a gay publicist. He's dead now, so he won't be watching. Um, and when I, I had to fight, I love how the people in the audience are laughing, like, "Oh, the gay publicist is dead." <laughs> what? Oh, well, I guess he's. Are said, you gonna? Li- are we gonna listen more? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, okay. sorry. No, no. I just didn't because know. he did something terrible, which I won't go into. So he wanted revenge. So he he started this rumor about me, you know, and it was horrible because my kids were at school, and uh, <laughs> so that is definitely not true yeah and and but it, yeah. it, it just kept going on and on it yeah. became accepted yeah. oh. right no it was never Serious accepted question. i mean i'm as, <laughs> as heterosexual as they come okay all right <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, you know, it like turned kind of serious. Well, yeah, I love how he had that, uh, I love how he had that line of, uh, she goes, and it turned, and it just got <laughs> yeah. its own, and it was kind of accepted. He's like, no, it was never accepted. <laughs> it's like, no, uh, he talks about the, I read an excerpt from his book. He's got a book coming out. Oh, okay. I read it Maybe that's excerpt, probably yeah, what Yeah, in the Rolling Stone, and he talks about that story. They adapted it for our generation of New Kids on the Block. Did you remember hearing that one? No, no, I never heard that. Oh, yeah, they've, they've adopted, I think it was Donnie when I heard it. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's, I mean, there's no way that that's uh, physically possible. But also, if that was true, I would think that would be a point of pride. Like, if that actually was, you did get to that point. Uh, there's a certain sense of accomplishment. If that was what you were into, like that, that takes a. It wasn't what he was into, though. He, that, that, isn't that great though that he could trace it back to this one publicist? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what he says. I mean, it's a great, no, it's a great he cover. Goes in the, whole, the the guy was a gay guy. He he invited him out to uh, his his in Hawaii, and but he had to stay with one of Rod Stewart's kids, who was like ten, just the way the hotel room situation was. And the gay guy ended up going out and like bringing a guy home and like fucking around with him in his kid's like bedroom. Oh, not with the kid, but with the kid present. You know what I mean? Yeah, still pretty so weird. So he fired him and then this guy started spreading these rumors. It was his publicist. Well, see, that's what I said. It's tough to make it in Hollywood. All right, one more clip here. The NBA is coming up, Steve. Uh, you're not a big sports guy, right? No, but I I follow it. Uh, I follow, I read the paper about it. So okay, I, I so usually know what's going on. Kind of have an idea of what's going on. Stephen A. Smith, uh, ESPN NBA analyst, who's talking about Kobe Bryant's injury, and uh, this always gets me these live <laughs> these live slip ups on air. Going on, he'll be just fine. Opening night, uh, opening night. Kobe Bryant is gonna miss it because my foot is sprained. Are y'all crazy? I love um you can you, you it might have got cut off there, but uh Skip Bayless, the other like his white partner was like, Okay, that's enough, we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> I was watching I had some guys uh I attend bar like I was saying, uh but we we're not a sports bar at all. We're like a pretty indie hip cool bar in Covina. Yeah. Uh but we have Time Warner. And you know, Laker games aren't showing anywhere except places with Time Warner, and nobody has fucking Time Warner. Yeah, it's weird. So I had a couple of uh, pretty hardcore old Mexican guys in full Laker regalia coming in, watching those preseason games. Getting ready. Nothing sadder. <laughs> Nothing sadder in real life. I don't have any. I don't hate on sports. We're all into our own things. You know, I like reality TV. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah, it's whatever tradition. I think it's cool. You know, if you watch sports with your dad, right? Yeah. No, I mean, it's something that. Yeah, like you said, it's a tradition. <clears throat> you grow up with it. It's something me and my dad can talk about. Like, dude, that is the key. If anything you could find in life to have something to talk to your dad about. That's like the best because you got nothing to talk exactly. about. <laughs> we don't we don't talk about threesomes or whether or not he pleased my mom or Vietnamese yeah, horse. Yeah, we talk that, about the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You don't have. I mean, you know, my, I don't share the same values as my dad, so it's like, <laughs> well, if he doesn't ask about my life, he doesn't want to yeah. know about my life. But uh, yeah, preseason like Laker. I mean, Kobe Bryant's 
just a dickhead, right? He's just a full-on yeah. dickhead. What he did to Smush Parker this summer was such bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Was such bullshit. He's yeah, he a, just like called up Smush Parker for no reason and threw him under the bus. This poor guy just had, you know, a couple of full se- – he put six seasons, but really just one real season in the NBA with the Lakers. Yep. That's how much of a dickhead he is and how much he loves to win. It's hard for me to, to – Go for the Lakers, uh, but I'm it's, I'm glad to see Steve Nash in fucking the purple and gold. Steve Nash, great guy, seemingly, and uh, yeah, just fun guy to root for, fun guy to watch play. I'm not a big Dwight Howard guy. It'll be interesting to see how the uh, Sixers do now that they got Bynum, who I just think is not going to work out. His attitude just doesn't seem to be a great fit for the city of Philadelphia. We don't put up with guys who half-ass it. Um, you know, we have a history of that. So, long NBA season coming up. Uh, Feels like a good place to get out of here. Steve, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Had a lot great. of fun. Yeah, thanks. I had a good time too. And where can uh where can people check you out? You find me at Big Hearn uh on Twitter. Uh follow listen to our podcast. If you want to get to know any LA comedians, uh, listen to Respect the Danger of Knives on Stitcher or iTunes. Feel free to add me on Facebook if you're not a fucking weirdo. Yep. Uh, I also post pics of my sexual exploits on Facebook. <laughs> My mom oh, doesn't get a couple ads. My evangelical Christian mom doesn't approve, but you know, <laughs> sorry, Didi, I can't live my life for you. All right. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm friends with you on Facebook, and I'm glad you came on the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Green Room. We do it live here every week on ShantiGreen.com. The Green Room with Sean Green. Keep up the great work. See you later. Download archived episodes at 247comedy.com and follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. Should have seen she was really naive Shit, she was still only 19 And he was many years older But he seen her walk by in them tight jeans And he looked at her like, that's my queen Cause he thought that he could mold her But it don't work, no Larry was a 39-year-old